So for those pleasure. who don't know Nollis, who are you? DJ from Canada, been in Vegas for the last 10 years, I've toured the world. Some of the biggest stars this past summer, I was on tour with Ariana Grande. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I've seen the world. I got a song out with Fat Man Scoop, hip hop, club legend. About to put out some new music with everyone from country stars to the next Beyonce, so pretty excited. Got a lot on the go, got a lot on the go. I do. So my man, from Canada, Yep. take us back to the roots. Where where are you from and what was it like growing up there? Uh, born in Toronto, so mm -hmm. I grew up as a kid in Mississauga. We moved to Alberta, Calgary, briefly when I was in junior high, but then I pretty much spent my formative years in BC. I went to school, high school and university in Kelowna, British Columbia. Mm. So, moved to Vancouver, lived a corporate life briefly, and had this crazy idea to pursue my music okay. uh, to where it is now. So, so when did when did that come to you? That crazy idea to pursue your music? Well, it's it's actually started in university. You know, hip hop was my love and my passion. No one was really repping it, so I took the bull by the horns in my school had this budget to bring an act. So at the time, it's probably before you guys time, right? Rascals, Chuck Claire, and all these big Canadian hip hop stars. I bring them to Kelowna at the time. And uh, it was really cool. And that's what really got me from, when I actually started out as a promoter. And I take my student loan money, being the irresponsible guy I was, but it turned into a business. And I, and I actually would make a profit, but in a way it really made sure I had to deliver everything I did, right? So. And were those guys that you brought in, were they role models for you along that journey when you first started? Who were the role models for you in your community or in music growing up? You know, that's a good question. A lot of them were from the business side, you know, um, and the production side. I mean, it, it really, I, I really carved my own path in a lot of ways. There isn't a lot of people that do it the style I do. Um, you know, I'm just as much business as I am talent. I'm, I'm a huge believer in Without good business, it doesn't matter how good your creative side is. It just, it's it's the music business, you know? It's it's fun, and I love doing creative stuff on my own, and that's, you know, with me and my buddies, and I'll give them a track, and, you know, cool, listen to this, you know? But on the business side of it, it's an entirely different thing, so. So in that being said, you know, you talk about following essentially the unbeaten path mm -hmm. and, and going about it your own way, and, and so coming from where you're from, and I know we spoke a little bit about moving outside of what your parents may have expected you or what the norm should have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. linear path. Yeah. Can you talk to us about what that was like and, and why you even did that? Why did you believe? That that's that's a great question. My parents are, you know, Syrian, Middle Eastern, uh, quite religious. And, you know, they came to Canada with the sole purpose of making sure their kids became doctors, lawyer. I wasn't that. <laughs> um, but I went to school for banking. So you know what, I really admire and respect, I mean, my parents were hard on me. They made sure I got through school. And to this day, if people ask me, you know, how did I do it, I tell them my education. Without that, I wouldn't have been able to find that plan that differentiated me from the literally millions of people trying to make it out there, right? So I was able to see opportunities that other people couldn't. And that was largely because of my education. And, and you know, my, my dad was hard on me growing he didn't make any apologies about it, you know, and, and uh, now I'm a lot more grateful. Me and my dad didn't get along, you know, growing up, but he really did hammer the certain values that I have to this day, you know. So I really credit a lot of that to my mom and dad. 
And what are some of those values that you have today? Um, resilience, man, is, is a big one. I mean, every day you're going to face rejection. Every day you're going to have good and bad. You're not, you're not going to get everything go the way you want it to go. Now, people look at that as a bad thing. I don't. It, it, it's, it's two things. It's feedback. It's telling you where maybe you need to adjust. And it also helps you feel that much more appreciative. I've been in this game a long time. And literally, my career feels like it's right about to take off now. So it makes you a lot more appreciative. You know, I wonder about those stars that hit big at a young age and then they turned into a mess. It's because maybe they, they couldn't appreciate what they got, you know, and that resilience that you get over time. So, I mean, even in that, you're, you're talking to me, it feels like you're talking about the process mm -hmm. and patience and persistence because that's being resilient. And at a time when culturally, especially in North America, you, we're, we're, our focus is about achieving quickly, getting yes. it done tomorrow. And if you have to put time in, oh, I want to do this for five years, people look differently at you because that doesn't make sense. It's not okay to do that. It's, which is interesting because I agree with you. Everything is supposed to be instant now. And... That is where I definitely go against the grain. You know, as a being in music, you're under a lot of pressure. You know, I'm supposed to have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. I'm supposed to do this and this, and I and I'm not going to say I don't do entirely that, but I you. It's so important to seek a path and 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 find a system that works. So it's the little things you do every day. You know, it's these little things that can either we were talking about it on the trip here. Where, you know, let's say you're an athlete in university, but you started eating more, exercising less. We're not going to notice that tomorrow. You're not going to notice it next week or next month, but you will notice it in three months, four months. And you're going to get, you know, bigger and bigger versus the person who might be overweight in high school or whatever. But they started eating better. They started exercising. And then over time, they're going to get better. So it's these little things that you do over time that really add up. And, and you know, for someone... You know that's coming up. That that's what that's my best advice is be patient, and understand that if you have these little things and you're doing these little things right, I one hundred percent guarantee you you will be in a better place in three months, in a year, and and it's it's sometimes it's hard to notice. What did it take for you to realize that? You know what, man? It just it just kept happening. The biggest thing is my life always steadily improved over time. Um, it's crazy. I've been in, I've been a DJ for 20 years, almost 20. It's been 18. Uh, but I've been in the game for 20 years. You know, I started in 1998 and literally every year, I mean, there are ups and downs, of course, but the longer I've stuck around and made consistently good decisions, the better the opportunities got over time. And I mean, I'm in a young guy's business and yet I'm, I'm killing it. You know, I'm, I'm DJing a hundred cities a year. Jeez. So little, little things are working and, and then you hit a takeoff point and I feel like this might be, you know, yesterday was a pivotal day. I, I might have a really big country star actually, uh, you know, do a partnership and, and, yeah. uh, sign my remix on a major label. So we'll see what happens. But outside of that, I still have my success in the little things, you know? So like, you know, when the big opportunities, like, you know, I did the Ariana Grande tour, DJ for the Calgary Stampede, other big things. It's so important to do the little stuff, too. Like, you know, I DJ Medicine Hat, Alberta. I did New Year's in Grand Prairie. Um, you know, I'm doing Memphis, Tennessee next week, but I'm here in Halifax. It's doing these little, big, medium, 
wherever and, and finding great people wherever you go. Sometimes they're on a plane. That's where I get a lot of my sleep is on planes, you know, I tell people. Planes are my uh, my nursery, I can pass out, you know. And so, and so in that, running around, because like, you're, you know, you're talking about playing the long game. And for people, you know, that you get caught up in the, in the hustle and bustle or in going ahead and, and running, you can burn yourself out pretty quickly. Absolutely. You're talking about a system. So how would you, or in your experience, how did you find a way to ground yourself as you're going on the move? Awesome question. It's, you, you got to balance it. I mean, the reality is for a lot of people, you know, I, I, I've seen these motivational guys, you know, that are like, drop everything you're doing. You got to make that decision. And you, the only way you can do that is, you know, don't ask for permission from your boss and that. And I'm like, that's nonsense. We have bills to pay. We got to eat, we got, we got rent, you know what I mean? So it comes back to having a plan and, and having a strategy over the long term. Okay, so your job you don't necessarily like. Okay, well, how do I, you reverse engineer. When I moved to Vegas, I said, how do I get from this, you know, where nobody's barely ever heard of me in Vegas to DJing a mega club? Well, I need to know the right people. I need to have the right mixes out. I need to have this, I need to have that. And that's a really good way, actually. I, I, I read a lot of uh, uh, experts on success, and, and one of them says to really see if, if your dream is doable, reverse engineer it, figure out what it takes to get to the top, and take the steps backwards. Are you willing to do all those steps? Because if you're not, chances are you're not going to make it, right? So that's what I would tell people to do. Reverse engineer. Look back and go, what are, what are the little things I need to do? You know, and, and the beauty is today, we got the internet, so you can do an online business. That that would be my first suggestion. You know, I, I jumped on the internet, you know, I, you guys were born with it, right? I mean, what year were you guys born? 95, 94. Literally, that was the year the internet came out, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was the year I graduated from high school. <laughs> so when I graduated from high school, I saw the internet. I was like, this is going to be a big thing. I knew it. Most people around then didn't really understand it. So jump on trends. Like right now, everybody's talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I'm an economist, so I knew that they were gonna falter and they were gonna have all kinds of problems. But what's not the problem is blockchain. The technology behind cryptocurrencies is an amazing opportunity. It's the next internet. So always anticipate where are things going. You know, combine them with your passions. Find a way to, there, there's a correlation between your goals and the reality of seeing them. Like, to be a football star, I'm sure, would be just about anybody. How cool would it be to be in the NFL? There's only how many people can actually make it. That's the reality of it. Whereas, how many people can start a blockchain company? Well, at this point, no one's really even heard of blockchain. But the technology is what's, fueling all these cryptocurrencies, it has massive implications. So if you can combine, say, a passion for business or whatever it is, let's say you're a sports guy or a motivational guy, you know a ton of people. So you know what? You're able to take something like blockchain and create a usable, workable software. You've got a huge network of people you can then utilize and, and harness to really expand your business. Right? So there's always, it's a combination of being creative, seeing opportunities that nobody else sees. Mm. You've got to be able to bridge stuff together, mm. you know?
so in that, and I mean, you know, you're in music, which is a, it's a creative process, you know, at a time when we still don't value the creative process, you know, you're an outlier or whatever it is, whether it's art uh, in any form. And so what is a way in, that you found to honor that creativity or honor uh, being able to see opportunities? Because you have to have a different mentality about that. You do. Um, it, I read a lot. A really good book is called Blue Ocean Strategy. It was written by a couple of economists who created this concept of basically as we as business evolves, um, opportunities arise by simply bridging things together, right? Like our phones, okay? It sounds obvious to us now, having a smartphone, but it was really Steve Jobs that put together the whole idea of Essentially, this is what used to be called a personal digital assistant in a telephone. There used to be something called a PDA back in the day, and that was for business people. And then BlackBerry came up with the whole idea of email, and then Steve Jobs put it all together right into the iPhone. Right? So all kinds of opportunity. Now, before that, there was the PDA that had to be built first. There was the BlackBerry, and there was the telephone. Someone then put them all together, right? And now it's a camera. This this camera in here is almost as good as these ones, right? So so the key is finding a passion and finding a way to synthesize it with something else, and that has real world applications, right? And the demand a lot of times is there, and people just don't even know it yet, right? But it takes knowing about phones, it takes knowing about cameras, and it takes knowing about PDAs before all those things can kind of come together. That kind of where the reading comes in for you as well. Not reading, I, I read at least a book a week. Mm. Um, education, man, education. Doesn't matter whether you graduate from high school, you can still educate yourself. And, and it's the right books, you know, books by academics. I'm real big on that. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of BS out there now, you know. I mean, uh, Guys that can be inspiring, but there's not really a lot of substance to what they say, you know, and, and I think there's a big difference and, and, and it's, it's too bad because it goes back to what you said, everyone wants instant answers and I don't think that's doable. I don't think the smart people know, they figure out that that's, it's both not a fulfilling way to do stuff that for the one guy that gets rich off Bitcoin, there's hundreds of people that lose, right? And that's why, like, you know, it's it's important to do stuff like we're doing, right? Having that conversation, reaching. I think I'm a huge believer in millennials, by the way. I love Woo! I love your generation, like for real. For <laughs> real. I I think your generation is hands down better than mine. You guys are everything that they say the stereotypes, I don't believe. I find millennials more talented, more driven. Um the opportunities you guys get are a lot less than we had. I think as you get older, it was like that for us too when we were young. So yeah. with that, where is the disconnect then for how millennials are perceived? I think I think it's like that every. I think it's always like that, man. Because they said that about us when we were young. Man, those guys are so lazy. They're like we used to listen to like, you know, Nirvana and and stuff like that. And it's all grumpy music, man. Like it's Mudlark sucks and. Spied all the rage, I'm still just a random kid. Like, 
you know, all these rich kids from the burbs talking about how bad life was. And you still kind of see it in my generation. There's a lot, I call a lot of DJs in my generation grumpy old men. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> you, you know, they, they, just, they complain about everything. And I find millennials don't complain. They're positive. They really want to make a positive impact on the world. I love it, man. I think it's great. I think it's great what you guys are doing, man. I mean, it's fantastic. I got I got two questions for you. That they're separate, right? But you said you're in economics, right? So yeah, I went to school for economics. Yeah. Right. So perfect. So in thinking about how millennials, how the industry is changing, yeah. You know, and that disconnect between how millennials are perceived as a generation. What is our impact going to be on the economy? You know what I mean? What do you? I see a radical shift. Okay. So technology, artificial intelligence is changing everything very quickly. Very quickly, jobs that we took for granted are about to disappear. They say in 50 years, 80% of jobs as we know it are going to disappear. So the economy has to radically change. This isn't like the industrial revolution where, you know, farmers were losing, you know, land and stuff. This is like literally very few jobs are going to be left. So the economy has to radically change. We need to see a better distribution of income. For millennials, I would say understand the economics of what's happening. Mm. Understand where money's moving to, where technology's moving to, and make sure that society builds safeguards to ensure that we grow in a way that's best for everybody. You know, not just to benefit a few people because that model won't be able to work because pretty soon there's going to be people that will be able to harness what we do and wipe out entire industries. I mean, the simplest one is trucks, right? And, the, you know, self-driving exists now. The technology exists now to, within a year, get rid of every truck driver. They can literally put software in a truck now that will drive it. So that's that's, that's, that's one right. that's one job that could theoretically disappear right now. And then there's things that we don't even know about that will change, right? So you've got to be prepared for the unknown, but you've also got to prepare for stuff that we kind of know. And there's there's really like like I keep going back to blockchain. Blockchain's going to change stuff. It's fascinating to me the way you know information disseminates and and comes back to what you're saying. People just want quick answers. And it's the people that dig a little deeper that are going to get it. So for young people, here's oh, a way you. to bridge it. I hear you loud and clear. Here, yeah. Here's a way to bridge it, right? If you're passionate about music, but you like business, and, and I always tell people, if you don't like business, learn to like it. Because it'll be, learn to sell. Learn to sell yourself. Learn, or you're, it's going to be struggling your whole life. You better not, man, because I'm... I was just going to ask you about the balance between, you know, the creativity and, and the business side. You know, once you realize that you had a passion for music, you started messing around, started making some beats, maybe making some remixes. What was exploring that creative side like for you? How did you learn to nurture it? And how did you balance between creativity and work? Well, for me, again, it comes back to, it was necessary. As a DJ, you start DJing clubs. And then, you know, back when I started, this was a long time ago, uh, you know, party breaks were everything. It's these records that were put together by kind of these underground companies that would bootleg the hot tracks. And it was, that's, Fat Man Scoop was a guy that was on these these bootlegs that, and the biggest one was Be Faithful, the song we talked about that became world famous. That song took five years to license, by the way. 
pretty fascinating story behind that. Yeah. But, you know, so as a DJ back then, it was all about getting the right records and being able to play them before everybody else. Well, CDs came along, then the CDJ came along, and then all of a sudden, that got rid of that. I was one of the first people to use CDJs, and I actually got a lot of hateration from it because back then it was like seen as like not being real and all that. And, um, but it gave me an enormous advantage. I could play anything. I thought it was so cool because there's all these songs that I could never get on record that now I could and I could scratch them like they're a record. And everyone thought, you know, the, the DJs were, were hating on it, but the audiences loved it. I, it expanded me enormously. I went from being a hip hop guy to I could DJ anything. And that's what led me into, then the next step of my creative process was learning how to make these uh, breaks and then mashups got real big. So this was around 2005, 2006. Mashups were the big thing. And I had a DJ actually teach me how to make them on software. And man, we were like, I mean, it was like minimal compared to the technology and the software now, but that's what we worked with, right? And we were really big on the quality back then. But I had one that actually hit big. I had over 50,000 downloads for a mashup I did of uh, the song Sexy Back, Justin Timber Timberlake. Yeah. I did it with uh, Belle Viv DeVoe Poison. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, over 50,000 downloads. That's what kind of got me known in DJ world. So, and then nowadays, more important than ever is actually being a remixer and producer type, right? So, like, I have these DJ skills, but I also have these remix and production skills. So, it's really cool because I've pushed myself creatively, but it's had huge returns on me, you know, on the, on the business end. So, it, it, they really did come hand in hand. That's awesome. Yeah. And so everything you're talking about really, <clears throat> I mean, not even just for yourself, but I mean, your message as it seems you know, for other people is being true to your craft. So whatever that looks like, you know, if I have to have this side hustle to make sure I get these skills or make sure I bring this in, go for it. But strategically creating a system for yourself totally. to honor that. So can you talk to us a little bit more about you know, staying sure. true to your craft? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll take it a step further. Um, for me, you know, I actually really like all kinds of music. Um, but I came up in an era where it became essential to play a lot of music. It's kind of started to reverse now. It, this is the best advice I can give to an artist that wants to quote unquote stick to their own whatever, you know, genre they like or whatever. I say the beauty of it, you can do that now more than ever if you learn the business side of it. If you learn the business side of it, there are people out there that like, Celtic metal, right? And so if you're an artist that can do Celtic metal and connect with those people, you've got a business. You've got a way to make a living doing what you love. Back in the day, that was not possible. I mean, the likelihood of you succeeding next to zero. Now with Facebook, the way you can use it, Instagram with ads and learning how to laser target exact people that you want to come to your stuff, it's as easy as it gets, right? And then you can literally find an audience to, to, to go with your passion. So, you know, uh, back to your original question, that's really how I want to grow now, more 
being creative of how I want to be, but there's still that part of me that knows, hey, I've got an audience too, so that I've had, you know, for over 10 years that kind of has certain expectations, you know, but trying to figure out how to combine that message, you know? Mm. It's a journey. It's a it journey. is, man. It's, it's cool, right? So speaking of the journey, what would you say was one of your biggest setbacks and how did you overcome? So, uh, there's a lot. Music is a nasty business, man. It's war. And long story short, I had a I had a sound tech in on it with a guy, and they literally wired my sound wrong. And I don't know if you guys know much about cables and sound setups. Anyway, they put my digital RCAs into a phono line onto a mixer, and, and you know what that does? That can blow a system. So it was probably the lowest point in my career. I mean, I had literally, I was pulled off a major stage in Vegas, you know, and at the time it's crazy because I didn't even realize what, I was like trying to figure out what was going wrong. Why was my, why, why was my sound, you know, not working? Why, why was I like, why is it, why does it sound like I was blowing? And, you know, and that's like the sound guy's job. Right. And like, he, he straight up said like it wasn't him and it, it was it was crazy like I was like wow this is definitely intentional this was done to undermine me and it was probably one of the lowest points of my career it literally made me think it's time to maybe pack it in because I couldn't see how I could overcome that the reps went around Vegas you know and, and of course I was somehow blamed for that. That's something I've learned in life too, is that you're going to be blamed for stuff that isn't you. It's going to happen all the time. You're going to have stuff happen to you that you had no control over. And if you get mad at that, you lose. I could have gone out there, and, and this is probably one of the most important things I can tell you. You might not like the food chain, but you got to respect it. you got to respect and, and respect the fact that People above you on the food chain are going to get their way, even if they're wrong and you're right. So there's no point. You're better off finding other ways. So anyway, long story short, I had a happy ending because I uh, I was really contemplating everything and wondering if, if it was worth continuing. And I got an email from Live Nation. I don't know if you guys know that's a big coffee company saying, would you like to tour with the weekend? My advice to anyone is, Always have other options. Always build a strong foundation. So, and, and, and when you do that, it makes the impact not catastrophic, you know? So that comes back to what I was saying. Make consistently good decisions so that when the bad stuff happens, you're just that much more ready for it. So is that, it seems like that's a really a big guiding belief for you, enabling you to, to stay resilient. And I mean, you talk about having all kinds of setbacks. I mean, like, that's life. I promise you. It that's is. Life. It's life. Uh, because stuff's so, going to happen regardless, yeah, right? So that's part of the problem with social media, right? We all portray that we're all amazing and life's amazing. And, and I must honestly say, my life is good, but I've had major setbacks. Major. You know? But So that's having the other things lined up. Yeah, like you've got to line up 10 things. You know, when I... So I, even in that, I mean, you're talking about that so much, and I think it's... In certain industries, um, you can see a lot more. It's almost more transparent in right, that sense. You right. know, athletes, music, um, you know, and everything else. You, 
the hierarchy in the food chain is in everything. It's in life. You can only see it in certain ways. Yep. Um, so in that, I mean, you're already talking about it, but could you give us a little bit more about not having all your eggs in one basket? Because we're told you got to give it all to this, put your all on this one thing, but it doesn't make sense. Why? You're, you're exactly right. Because life can hit you in different directions. You don't know. Just when you thought your job was safe, it's not. I mean, pretty much in Canada, probably the safest is probably a government job. But outside of that, there's no guarantees. So find ways, alternate income sources that also you could potentially synergize. And in that, what does it take for someone to kind of stray off the common path where we do have to have all our eggs in one basket, but to have the is it courage? I don't want to give you the word. It is. It is. It, it's, it's, it's having thick skin, man, more than courage. I, I would say courage is a false flag. Like everyone's got courage. Everyone says, yeah, I'll, I'll dive off that cliff until they're in front of that cliff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're giving us so much in this. What is a, what is a message you give a young world? Make better small decisions. The, the, the decisions, everyone always asks what the secret decisions are, and I would say just as important, or maybe even more, is the, the bad decisions you make. You know, I was always, uh, time was an issue for me, I'd show up to class late, I, I, you know, it's, it's been a recurring thing, and I would say to you, I'd probably be 10 years ahead of where I am right now, if I was better at that. The little things you do in life matter. And the people you interact with really matter, man. Surround yourself with good people. I'm, I'm militant about it now. You know, I, I, I'm not saying I won't talk to a certain person or whatever, but I, I, I am very careful about who I let in to the, the core stuff. Because, you know, I, I don't know if it's if, if there's scientific basis to this, but I really do believe your top five friends are the average of what you are. So if you're around people that are negative or making bad decisions, that rubs off on you. If you're around people that are making good decisions, that rubs off on you. So always be around that. Always. And, and, and I realize that's tough for some people. You know, we we're talking about environment man it's it's tough you, you have sometimes it's just easier to conform and it takes courage and it takes thick skin mm -hmm. to to make decisions that aren't necessarily the most popular strong message man strong message to leave us with before we let you go yep what is your next step well another great question um getting on the originals production side um, big moves are starting to happen now. I've got a tour with Fat Man Scoop, Bottle Popper, that I've been doing on my own. And now we're going to do it stateside together. Now I have to turn it, turn that into a household name. Hear that? Like that. So before we even get you out of here, it's time for the official sign-off. Hey, this is Knowledge, and this is my voice. <laughs>